It's S-W-O-P-E-S My crew, my boo, my weed's the best So ahead of my time, you can't see me yet But the last thing you'll ever see is me be stressed mm. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to my podcast. I hope you are well in this time. What is this, week three or four? As some of us may be in quarantine already. I hope you're holding up and I hope that your family is well. I hope you're well. I hope that you still have a job and that you're finances are good but if not i know that you will figure it out and you will be present and hopeful and determined to persevere through absolutely anything so thank you for tuning into my podcast throughout all of this chaos i know that there's so much going on from lives to podcasts to just sharing in general on social media there's a lot to intake right now and i feel like i feel very blessed that you're here to listen to me and to connect with me. So I appreciate you. And um, I commend you for having the tenacity to go outside your comfort zone. If you are new here, (laughs) my name is Elise Swopes and I am a graphic designer, photographer, visual storyteller on Instagram. And I do this podcast in hopes that there will be some more awareness, some more mindfulness, some more kindness and positivity in the world. And my topics range from three different things and they normally stem from mental health to personal growth to self-care to business to entrepreneurship to Instagram to social media whatever the case may be I may talk about it but there's always three topics I talk about very specifically first and foremost I want to apologize for the sound if you hear anything behind me I just moved to New York to Brooklyn Williamsburg to be exact and I'm still working on my office. The office is a little bit loud, and I just purchased some soundproofing objects to put around me, so hopefully that'll assist a little bit with any kind of noise that may be happening. But again, I appreciate your patience, and I appreciate your kindness. Now, today what we're going to be talking about is distraction, optimism, and emailing. And I think they're fairly three things that All of us kind of experience from time to time, whether you're distracted from day-to-day things, whether you're distracted from daily life or family or work or personal, optimism in itself is just the ability to look at the positive in life, to see and accept the negative, not to just allow it to continue, but to do something about it. That's what optimism is. It's not just allowing life to go by. It's about taking every opportunity and taking every opportunity to be yourself and to to be positive and to be hopeful about what's to come. And then I'm going to talk about emailing because I feel like there's a misconception about email. A lot of people hate email, but for me, I love email and I think there's some really great things to be said about it especially if you're trying to be an entrepreneur or freelancer you're gonna need to make sure that your email is on top of your game if you'd like to even be interested in taking a three-week challenge i created a three-week challenge on my website three-week challenge is basically a online presence challenge where you get to decide what your personal brand is how are you going to present yourself on the internet it shouldn't be hard at the end of the day it's really just about Doing what's authentic to you and pushing your love and your hope for what you want for your life forward. So don't overthink it. Don't overplan. Don't overdo it. Just be yourself. And if you need help at any moment with that, ask somebody else because you want to make sure that you're delegating and helping others while you are helping yourself. Now, our first task today will be talking about distraction. Distraction is 
I mean, I get distracted myself all day. My biggest distraction is my phone. Just opening up an app like Twitter or Instagram or whatever and just scrolling through for no reason. There's no purpose. I need to be on there. I clearly have an entire to-do list in front of me, but I'm still on there for some reason. Why? I don't know. It's an addiction. I don't know. It's something. But I've come to terms with my distraction. The first step, really, I think, to distraction is accepting that you are distracted. The, the worst thing you can do while being distracted is to think that how you're acting and what you're doing isn't sufficient to your to-do list or to your goals or to your routine. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people who won't say that their phones are their biggest distraction because they just aren't aware enough to see that. And I think the biggest thing for you is knowing what your distractions are, being aware in those moments where you have one and being like, oh, I'm distracted. As long as you're saying that to yourself and being aware in that moment, I think that's like the biggest thing. So just be aware of your distractions first and foremost and accept them for what they are. Now, another thing you want to do is keep your goals in mind when it comes to your life. You know, when you're distracted, you may not necessarily feel like you have a purpose or a mission, but when you get back to what your focus is, when you get back to what you're trying to challenge yourself with, then you start to realize, okay, what I'm distracted by isn't the purpose anymore. That's not my goal, right? So think about why are you focusing in the first place? If you are distracted and you're knowing you're distracted, what are you supposed to be focusing on? And when you do focus on that thing, what is the reward? Are you rewarding yourself or is someone else rewarding you? Regardless of the situation, make sure that there is a reward at the end, that you are celebrating an accomplishment, no matter what and no matter how big or how little it may seem. Make sure that you are taking advantage of rewarding yourself in any case. And when it comes to these goals, when it comes to life in general, play it like a game. Take it as a challenge. Don't take everything so seriously. Like it's this wild life or death type of situation like have a smile on your face when you have a goal in mind because the goal isn't the purpose it's the entire experience of that and if you're gonna have this long experience to get to this one moment of success you got to think about how you're going to enjoy it and that means you know being optimistic as much as you can and that's what we're going to talk about in our next topic now, the next tip I have for distraction will be to reduce your tasks. Now, your tasks at the end of the day, they should be only two to three important things. You shouldn't be cramming as much as you can in your day just because you can. If you finish your two to three important tasks, then you, you're done for the day. You're finished. Take time to do something else. Don't just assume that now that you've finished early, maybe you can accomplish the rest of the tasks that you have for the next day or the week after that, you know, like you really have to make sure that you're giving yourself space to re-energize. Your body is a tool just like absolutely anything else. And so when you overwork something, when you use it too much, you got to turn it off, reset it, and just let it get some rest the same way you got to do with your body. So you have two to three important things you got to do. Break those down as well. Break those down to very simplistic tasks that will allow you to give yourself your own momentum, okay? And the thing about the momentum is it's helpful because you don't need to rely so much on inspiration. You're really pretty much inspiring yourself by realizing you can accomplish things consistently. The more you get things done, the more you feel inclined to continue. 
and it's the same thing about relativity it's this concept of when something's moving it will continue to move and just continue to move but you've also got to make sure that you're cutting yourself off at a certain time for me personally i still do a nine to five even if i am a freelancer and i own my own business i still make sure that i am done at 5 p.m with whatever i have to do unless of course i have a shoot or have something that's necessary at night that's fine but i want to make sure that if what i am doing does go over a certain time i cut myself off if for some reason you have a project where it's going to take you a few days and it's not due for a week or a few weeks or whatever, but you can break it down within those few days. Do something of that project for one to two hours one day and then do it again for the next day, one to two hours the next day, one or two hours after that. If you can, just make sure that you're breaking things down so that instead of focusing on one task for an entire day, you can break down those tasks so that you can accomplish other things, other important things you have to do and for the rest of your day, like eating, showering, being a regular person, answering your emails, engaging with other people the day to day, making phone calls. You just wanna make sure that you're not so focused on one task that you forget about everything else that has to go on with your life. Another thing about distraction is making sure that you have a good self-care routine. And this is just gonna be because if you can't focus, on a task and there's nothing obviously going on around you maybe that just means that you're lacking energy maybe you just don't have the mental space to be present you know you really got to have the wherewithal to set a good self-care routine because it's going to give you good energy it's going to set the tone for your day and you also got to realize that you don't need to be a hero in your everyday today what you need to accomplish is what you need to do. You don't need to save everybody else. You don't need to help every single person who asks you for help. You can say no, and it's important because that's self-care in itself, to not spread yourself too thin. You've also got to consider what's your personal rhythm. Do you work best at night? Do you work best in the morning? Do you work best in the day? Not everybody's the same when it comes to that. For me personally, I work best in the day. But I know a lot of people like to work at 3 a.m. I won't say that's the best thing that you should do. But if that works for you, then that's fine. But be okay with that and analyze that and find that rhythm for yourself. And within that, make sure you're amplifying the time and the space for your routine. And when it comes to organizing your day-to-day, -day, reducing your tasks and stuff like that, you should also be within that self-care routine and stuff, carving out time for the routine. Make sure it's like an hour, two hours, three hours, whatever you need. And on top of that, carving out time for engagement, carving out time for family connection, carving out time for friends, carving out time for just business analyzation. Just have yourself a set time and schedule to-do list every week, every month, everything that you think you need to do isn't so up in the air. Everything is so much better and more organized and you can write it down, you can visualize it, and it's not so jumbled up in your head. So yeah, minimize, right? And that's my next uh, tip is minimizing, is making sure that you're breaking down those big goals, like I said, breaking down those large important tasks of the day and just focusing on the smaller pieces of it, you know, shorten time that it would take to complete the entirety of it. If it takes you an hour to write a paragraph, then you write a paragraph that day. And that's all you can do, and that's fine, but that's the time that you took for that. 
And by the time you get down to the end of the week, then you're just going to have a bunch of paragraphs for all those hours that you spent. That's the easiest way you're going to get it done at the end of the day. And there's really no magic special way to do it otherwise. It's just minimizing the complexity of what you have to do, whether it be if you have to write a paragraph or you have to say, I'm going to write two sentences today. Like that's enough. That's fine. As long as you're putting yourself out there to break it down so that when you do collect it all back together in due time, because time is your friend, it's not your enemy, you're done. That's it. That's all it took. (laughs) And don't fantasize too much about your goal either. Something I realized, or not so much that I've realized, but something that I've learned is that our brains release the same chemical dopamine when we fantasize about a goal or a subject or just kind of talk about it. The same way we would get the dopamine if we accomplish that goal. And that's something to consider when it comes to just thinking about what we want to do and and sharing what we want to do is just not making sure that we are only talking about it or fantasizing about it or living through that. You want to minimize that space. You want to minimize the anticipation, but you still want to visualize in a way where it assists you to feel better. You know, I don't think that fantasizing about a goal because it's big is safe. I think fantasizing about a goal because it's what you want is better, if that makes sense. So also another thing is to shorten your time. If you want to shorten your time on your phone specifically, you've got to think about how can you delegate the tasks that you have to be on your laptop, to have a phone call, to have FaceTime, to write it down in a notebook. Do you need to be on your phone? Do you need to be on your laptop? Can you use a pen and pencil? Can you turn the TV off? I mean, think about how you can simplify a lot of the tasks you have to accomplish by removing these things that connect you back to something else because that'll be really helpful. Now, when it comes to your mind, you want to make sure that you are practicing meditation. I spoke about this quite a bit, that meditation isn't this process of like literally sitting in silence and being with yourself where your brain is not thinking and you are perfect or something. Like meditation is to just literally be in your own mind, hear everything you're hearing, and think about why you're thinking it. See why you're thinking it. Analyze why you're thinking it. Meditation is being with yourself as much as possible and knowing who you are and why you are and being aware in that. So meditate as much as you can and don't say that you can't meditate because you can. If you cannot sit with yourself and think your own thoughts and communicate with your mind and communicate with your thoughts and and process those things, then that's a whole other situation you know I mean that's what meditation is it's this face-to-face with who you are and what you need to work on and a lot of people can't do that so be aware of that and be aware and mindful of what that entails because that's going to be the biggest key for you in distraction is when you have a thought you've got to be aware enough to know that thought is not so much in order. It's more of a, just a passing cloud or something that you can grab and take if you feel like it. It's a suggestion. It's just a thought. So think about that. Be mindful of that. And if you are a worrier like I am, just consider that worry is a waste of your imagination. And so to use your imagination for other things, for more positive things, to visualize and imagine the better. 
you've also got to make sure that you're caring less about what others think. It's a huge part of distraction these days is we're so inclined to consume, whether it be in comparison, whether it be in inspiration, or whether it just be someone who's judging us in a negative way. You know, we really have to put our blinders on to be able to remember who we are, remember our purpose, and remember that everything that we experience in our life is extremely unique and it's kind of ridiculous to expect that our life should be worked out just the same as anybody else. So remember that. Another consideration between the distraction and mind preparation is you'll need to practice the five-minute method sometimes. A lot of times people don't want to begin things because, I don't know, they just don't want to begin. I think that's the hardest part of doing anything, is just starting. And if you only decide to give yourself five minutes for each task set, just give yourself five minutes, that's all you need, five minutes, to see if it'll stick, to see if you like it, to see if it works, all that, whatever. Give yourself that five minutes, and by the time you get in that five minutes, you'll realize that you're in that moment now. When you thought you were going to be stuck in that last mindset, that last energy, that last whatever it was, but you gave yourself that new five minutes doing something else, you start to realize that your energy and your intention shifted entirely. So give yourself a five-minute experience, intro into any task so that momentum of beginning it can continue. But if you do find yourself in doing something and you cannot even give yourself five minutes, Maybe it's just not for you. Maybe you just need to delegate that process, that project, whatever it is to someone else who can't accomplish that in time because you really don't want to be doing things that just aren't for you. Another way to get rid of distractions is to make sure that you're taking a break. Take a break. Take some time. Get away from what you're doing. And sometimes all you need is that that five minutes to just hit reset on your mind, hit reset on your eyes, hit reset on your body get a little snack, get a little drink, have some water. Water is good and great. And you'll notice that that will be huge um, assistance to your distraction, to your dis-distraction. <laughs> Another thing is to make sure that you have a clean space. And the clean space will bring a clean mind. And when you have a clean space, when it's organized, when it's quiet or even comfortable. Not everybody needs quiet space to accomplish something. Sometimes I like a good show or a movie on and I can get something done really quick. It just depends on what you're comfortable with. But have a clean space and even have a clean digital space. Organize your desktop. Organize a lot of your folders. Delete a lot of things that you don't use anymore because that will really clean up a lot of your mental space. You can also turn off a lot of notifications on your phone, on your computer. That will eliminate just a lot of distractions entirely, even for your day-to-day, you know, even if you're not working on a project, you know, remove a lot of the notifications that you don't need because that's just one second, two seconds of your day where you're distracted. And if you add up all those seconds, you probably have a minute, two minutes where you're just staring at your phone in a year for a random notification that you don't even care about. Another thing, too, is to get rid of problematic friends and family and people around you. If you can, I know at this moment in time, it's quite difficult for a lot of people because they're in a home space or a closed space where they're with people who they may not want to be around. And 
I think if, and I'm, I'm not the best at giving advice for this because I haven't experienced it so much, but if you can, you know, find a space for yourself to feel safe, to feel comfortable, to feel organized and clean. All you need is a corner to yourself and some headphones and just some apps, you know? <laughs> so those are some tips for distraction. I hope they help. My next topic to be talking about will be optimism. Optimism is another way to say positive attitude, positivity, just seeing the brighter side of things. Optimism is who I am, what I thrive to be, to, <laughs> to exude, I guess. I mean, it, it's taken quite a practice. I haven't always been very optimistic in my life as much as I am now, I guess. I guess I, I always kind of have been a little silly and imaginative and, and just enjoy the little things maybe, but I haven't always been so aware of my optimism until I kind of just started practicing positivity a little more, started writing, reading more, becoming more aware and mindful in my everyday. And that took years. It took years. So I'm not saying that Practicing positivity will be an overnight thing, and I won't say it won't. I mean, it's a hard practice, but it's worth every second because you start to realize after those few months, few years, that what you thought life was supposed to be about, what you thought was good and, and worthy of your time and your effort, really wasn't. And you start to realize that everything you need is really inside of you. I think that's what optimism is, is realizing that no matter what happens outside of you, you'll still always be okay. So my first tip with optimism is to practice positive reminders. And that really just means making sure that you're talking to yourself well, visualizing yourself in a really good place, speaking well to yourself, speaking well to others, having positive affirmations that you read, knowing life lessons, knowing what the advice that, you know, older people give to younger people, what they say, what those things mean, and to really believe them and to write them, to read them, to say them out loud, to record yourself saying them, to see it in your office, your room, on your phone, in your tweets, on your socials. I mean, positive reminders have to be everywhere for you to make sure that they're reminders. <laughs> they can't just be something that shows up once a week, once a day. It's got to be like just something you're, you're pounding in your brain muscle. You know, your brain is a muscle just like anything else in your body. And when you give it something consistent to do, it gets that motion going. When you practice positive reminders, your brain starts to pick up on that, starts to build a habit to think like that, to believe that, to know that. And that will lead you to natural optimism. And that's where I became who I am today is through that awareness, being mindful and practicing those positive reminders in every moment and, and being present with them. So one of the biggest things that for me personally that I do practice that does help me be more positive is realizing that I don't need to attach to a personality, to a character, to a person, to somewhere, to to a past, to a future. I and it could I mean to some people it can feel scary, you know, to be nothing, to be no one, to be nowhere. 
But when you aren't afraid to lose who you may be, afraid to lose where you are, afraid to lose what you have, then you start to get rid of the fear to try, to protect something, to be something you're not. When we try to be ourselves sometimes, we think that we're being ourselves when in reality we're trying to attach to an idea of who we think we are. So it's important to be aware that when you're present and when you're practicing these things is that it's not so much to attach to anything, it's to free yourself. Now, another tip is to accept the unknown. The unknown can be scary, of course. It's weird. It's, it's, we don't know what's going to happen. But we have to understand that the unknown is where our opportunity lies. It's where our experience is. It's where our lessons are. It's where our growth resides. You can't try to predict the future because no one's been able to do that time after time. Everything's different. Everybody's different. And when we act on accepting that difference, everything becomes a little bit easier and more, I don't know, just is what it is, right? Unless, of course, you have an intuitive feeling about something, then listen to that, of course. You just want to make sure, too, that you're looking for solutions over problems. A lot of people get wrapped up in the problem and kind of lose focus on what's there to be fixed. So make sure that if there is something that's going on, that you are looking to see how you can adjust. How do you grow from it? How do you challenge yourself to make it better, to make yourself better? Just making sure that you're accepting your lessons as lessons instead of failures. Because all of your mistakes, all of those things that didn't work out are really just things to show you what could work out the next time. And that means also practicing gratitude. Writing in a journal, keeping track in the morning and at night of what you're grateful for. I tend to write down three things in the morning that I am happy about, that I'm looking forward to. And then at night, I write down three things that I was really happy about happened in the day. And sometimes I'll even write, you know, one thing I wish was different. And that's just to analyze and be aware of what is going on. Not everything is perfect. And not everything will ever be perfect. But that's where the excitement of life comes from is not knowing is being gracious and adjusting and having a purpose in that adjustment and um, you know seeking and paying attention to those little wins those little things that make us happy and whole day to day so seek the little things that make you feel good that make you get that momentum that get your wheels turning you know, help others too without necessarily needing reward or some kind of acknowledgement. Sometimes that just feels so great to just do something without even telling anyone you did it. So do that. Gratitude is key. Another thing is being less judgmental with yourself and with others. Um, this is huge when it comes to optimism is just having the idea that, you know, we, we tend to judge others by their outcome. But we're so in tune with ourselves that we're aware of our intentions. And so we'd rather love ourselves for our intentions and judge and distance others because of their outcomes. And we've got to be aware more of judging, not so much judging, but just accepting other people's intentions instead of their outcomes. And that just starts with empathy for ourselves. 
and seeing how we get ourselves in situations, seeing how we feel judged, seeing how we feel assumed about, seeing how we feel these certain ways. We've got to just remember how that feels and what that's about. And when we have more empathy for ourselves, more patience for ourselves, more awareness with ourselves, it allows us to see other people in that same light. If you're always telling yourself, I'm so trash, then everyone else, you're going to probably think everyone else is so trash because what kind of standard are you even holding? So have some empathy for yourself, first and foremost. Don't judge yourself. Let your thoughts pass. and Don't analyze them in such a negative way. Just love yourself. Be your own best friend. Be your inner coach. You know, if you had a weird thought, if you have a negative thought, you're like, man, that's not it. Maybe we'll try tomorrow. Maybe we'll try in a few minutes. That's not it, though. You know, just be your friend. Be good to yourself and speak kind to yourself. You are not stupid. You're not weird. You're not anything. You are smart and ambitious, and, and you just have so much potential within you. You just always have to grab it and talk to yourself and, and be aware of yourself. Love yourself. Now, another thing, too, is complain less. Complain less. Complaining is it's not conversation. That's for sure. <laughs> and, you know, it's not helpful. In, in certain cases, it could be. just depends. You know. But just make sure that you're not complaining in a, in a way where it's, it doesn't have a purpose and a meaning. Another very important thing about optimism is making sure that you have hope. Realize that there's going to be a lot of things that will try to defeat you. Tons. Tons of things, a lot of messed up stuff, a lot of stuff you'll see that you're just like, how can they not see it? How am I the only one who sees that this is wrong? And yeah, that's going to happen. But you got to have hope because you got to realize that sometimes wrong things show themselves to become right in due time. And it's unfortunate sometimes that we can feel defeated. We can become bitter by the things we see. Because a lot of the things we see may not get fixed. But we have to make sure that we're, we're aware of human nature, that we're studying history, studying human behavior. Because a lot of the things that may seem wrong or are wrong, of course, in general, are things that have repeated in time. Repeated in human activity, repeated in history. And... A lot of it's not very unique. Humans are just ridiculous in nature. <laughs> They are. And the sooner we kind of accept that that's just humans, you know, that that's how they are, the better almost that our hope becomes because it's we start to realize that the hope we have is from knowing that things will be better because they have been better and they do get better and Right now, sometimes, you know, we may have a president, we may have this pandemic, we, you know, we have all these horrible things that are happening. But if you look at history, when there is horrible things happening, in due time, everything's better. And it's like this crazy roller coaster of just like goodness and chaos. And even when there is goodness, there's still chaos. And it's just the way, you know. Life is. And so have the hope within yourself to know that this is life. To have hope that things will be better because they do become better and they are. And that have hope that there are good people, but also know that there are not. And that it will never be perfect. Another thing about optimism is to be happy in your body, right? Being happy in your own body is key because you got to live in it. 
It's your vessel, it's your system, it's your tool, it's your present-facing thing that it's like your cover of your book, you know? So sleep well if you can. Please try, practice, think about your distractions like we talked about. What is holding you back? What is your rhythm? What are these things that you're doing? Think about that. What's, what's messing your sleep up? Eat well. Be honest with yourself about your health and your habits of eating. Drink water if you can. Make sure that you're continuously educating yourself. you got to read and listen. Be humble and accept that all you know is that you know nothing sometimes. And sometimes that's okay. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is pretty ridiculous. So <laughs> educate yourself and read and, and be aware that there's a lot of things that can be taken from you, but no one can ever take your soul and your mind and your education and your wellness. So make good choices, right? Now, your email is, like I said, where you're going to be doing most of your business, right? So you want to make sure that it's as professional, as branded as possible. And if your budget allows, make sure you're buying an email with your domain name instead of just using like Google Gmail, whatever, Yahoo, AOL account. If you can, go to like GoDaddy or one of those hosted websites and buy your own name. Like, for instance, I've got info at swopes.co. I've got Elise at eliseswopes.com. I've got my assistant at swopes.co. So just have some emails ready to go so that you look a little bit more professional. But if you don't, that's totally fine. Just make sure that you take advantage of a lot of the setting options, personally hosted or not. Now, your email address should be simple enough to say out loud without anyone asking you how to spell or repeat it. Unless, of course, your name is unique. My assistant's name is Hetsy, and so that could be very confusing sometimes. Now, don't add any unnecessary symbols or numbers or letters. Stay professional as much as you can. No silly words, unless it's on brand. If that's on brand, you've got numbers, you got wild stuff in there, then go crazy because that's it's going to set you apart. It's going to have people remember what your email is. Now, Always add your full name to your email, not just your first name or your nickname. Unless, of course, like I said, you own your own email host and you can use your just your first name by itself with the address attached. You want to include your work title, maybe a creative model, a short bio, and email address, phone number, any, any relative links that could assist with your information, like your social and stuff like that. Add that to your signature and add your website and whatever portfolio you can, can add. And if you do want to use like a like an email signature like host or something, I use Ystamp, which is a lot easier because I can add like my logo and add a bunch of stuff in there easier. But you can also just create an, a regular email signature in your email host. Just simplify it, add links and stuff like that. It's pretty easy. It really helps. Just gets people to know where you're coming from. Tell people what to think about you, right? Now, another thing is to get organized with your email. People say their emails are crazy disorganized because they have thousands of emails, hundreds, can't even look at, they don't even know what's going on. Well, if you organize your emails by folders, you might be able to help yourself. If you do want to organize your stuff, what you can do is go to your email and if you want to have a specific folder, like say for instance, you want to have your all your Uber receipts or something in an email, but they're all over the place in your inbox, and it's like, oh, how am I going to even do this? Go to your search tab, type in Uber receipt, and you get all those emails popped up. 
in your inbox right there and then you highlight all of them copy them in and then create a new folder and move all of those into that new folder and do that same thing with all the other ones that you want to sift through and organize if you have a very specific topic type that topic into the search and add all those into a specific folder so that'll really help you with organizing your emails getting that inbox to a zero and it's just about gaining more opportunities and connections and experiences so that you don't have to be so overwhelmed and, and just frazzled by your email it's a connector at the end of the day it's not supposed to be this thing where you're supposed to stay away from it. It's supposed to help you. And if you can help yourself within it, you really can do some really amazing things. And personally, I can't, I just hate when people are like, oh, maybe it went to your spam. I actually went into my email settings and I adjusted something where it stops spam filtering. So that means every email I get, it goes straight to my inbox which has been great because no one will be like, oh, maybe you went to your spam. No, you never sent me an email. <laughs> so, but you just have to be a little bit more aware of what kind of things show up in your email too because you'll get a lot more spam and, and scams and stuff like that. But you just have to be aware of what is spammy and what is scammy. If you get an email, look at the email address. If it's from Instagram and it's asking you to sign into something, it's not real. Look at the email address that it's from. Tap that If it's from like, at Instagram.com and maybe it's real but if it's not then it's not real at all just make sure that you're double checking who the email is sent by check the content and the greeting and just check if it's asking for personal information overall a lot of that stuff will tell you right away that it's not real if the email is like one giant like image and there's actually no like text that you can highlight it's definitely a scam so be aware of those types of things now you also want to make sure that you're carving out a specific time to check your email. For me personally, I like to check in the morning and then maybe later in the afternoon or something. Once or twice a day is really enough for me unless of course there's something that can take less than five minutes to respond to. Then I'll respond to that. But other than that, it can wait for the morning or the afternoon when I can check it. I used to be a little obsessed with checking my emails, so it's gotten a little better. But sometimes, I mean, you, it's not life or death with a lot of these things, but with some opportunities, it may be. Make sure that, you know, you're paying special attention to the titles. And if you need to skip through to an email and you need to read it real quick to see if it's worthy or not, make it unread right after so that you can go back to it later. Don't forget about it or add it to a specific folder where you can resort back to it later. But just having that system for yourself where you can check, uncheck, do those things in a timely manner will really save you a lot of stress because some projects can be pretty quick turnover and some don't need quick turnover. So just be aware of what's necessary. And plus, if you don't necessarily have the time yourself to answer your emails, hire somebody else to do it and make sure that they are just on top of what they do because if someone reaches out and they want you to respond within that day, a lot of emails will say, we want to know if you want to be involved by end of day. If you don't respond by end of day, then you missed out on that opportunity. So make sure that you are being aware of those EOD emails. Now, some tips and tricks I have for email etiquette specifically or to always include a clear and concise subject that will literally make or break your email and it will depend, I mean, it will literally decide on the rate at which people respond to it. So if it's urgent, if it's necessary, if it's important, you know, put that in there <laughs> and it'll catch some eyes. But if it's not, 
it'll be like boy who cried wolf make sure that you're just being honest and don't try to like gain people's attention by scaring them be authentic and real and genuine now please for the love of god think twice before you hit reply all not everyone needs to know your response especially if it only involves one person be mindful of everyone's inbox and just exclude who you see fit before you do that you just got to understand like what is the type what is the email what are they asking what is going on so just be aware of what is happening because if you don't need to share with everybody then don't now when that comes to responding you got to consider like what these certain things in emailing mean now cc means carbon copy and when you cc somebody that means you're copying them the email rather than expecting them to reply they're kind of just like in on the email so that they know what's going on but if you want to bcc somebody you're kind of sending the email to this to or the cc person without that bcc knowing bcc means blind carbon copy so that means the recipient of that bcc will not be shown so if you want to send a mass email to a bunch of people at once you probably send all their emails to bcc because that means that if one person does reply all they're only replying to you they don't even know you sent it to all those other people so be aware of those certain things that you can do in order to make emailing a lot easier you always want to include a professional salutation like hi or hello sometimes hey works but it's a little just too laid back and like i don't know not as efficient not very positive or uplifting, a little lazy. So just give them a hi, a hello, how are you, thank you, best, have a wonderful day. I mean, a lot of emotions can be lost, a lot of kindness can be lost within email. So to avoid any misunderstandings, just refrain from any negative words. Just realize the kind of tone that you have, just realize the tone can get lost. So use certain modifiers like please and thank yous and kind stuff to make sure that everything is nice and positive. Now, be sure to proofread every email you send before you send it off. Don't rush. Don't rush. Don't ever rush an email. If you're sending from your phone, maybe put sent from iPhone or something like that in case. But other than that, just always triple check that the email you are sending is to the correct person and that you are saying the correct things. Keep your font simple, clean, classic. Comic Sans really doesn't have a place anywhere. <laughs> Let me tell you this. You will send a mistake email every once in a while in your life. I have. Definitely have. I've sent an email with some private information in it. Not so much like a nude or anything crazy. It was just like maybe I sent it to my management and I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this gig. It looks lame. These people suck. And then like somehow the gig that I was like maybe not interested like got that email and saw that I was like talking a little mess, right? And so you just want to make sure that that doesn't happen. And the easiest way to do that is just don't say anything negative in emails ever, not once. Save it for a phone call, save it for a text, save it for something else outside of emailing. Because if somebody gets that out, that email on accident, you missed out on an opportunity. And you just want to make sure that you're keeping relationships nice and healthy. Now, if you do want to attach more than two attachments to an email, make sure you add it to like a Dropbox or something. Don't just add it to the email. The email will bounce back. So just make sure that you, if you are attaching like a, a large file or multiple files, either add it to a Dropbox or just condense the file somehow. Those are just a few of my email tips and tricks. But if you have any more, please let me know. I would love to hear from you about anything and everything. Again, I appreciate your time. 
being here with me, listening to my podcast. You are wonderful, wonderful, and I hope that you stay healthy, happy, and and cozy out here, man. It is a weird time, you know. We we've never been through a pandemic before. It's my first. I don't know about you. I um can't say that I have a book sitting around anywhere about this. So you know, take it step by step. Be present. Be in your emotions if you need to be, but use them to your advantage and to grow with them. Thank you again. Take care. Thank you.